0: Cairo Seattle.
1: It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with the Professor. It is always our pleasure to talk to Mike Pereira from Fox because there's so many things to discuss, officiating and what's going on, some of the changes, the opt-outs with some of the official, how young this group of officials is becoming. And uh, Mike, of course, had been the supervisor of officials for the National Football League. He's been the great Fox stuff. He's Done such a great job in elevating the uh, the game from the officiating standpoint and being able to explain it. Mike, first off, welcome to school with a professor. Always
0: good to be with the professor. You actually, the professor calls you, but you learn from the professor.
1: Well, you try to. You try to educate. I mean, I, n- I never got that uh, ex- that master's degree or anything like that, but it's nice to be able to go on every day and write every day and trying to just be able to explain things and get everybody into the game of football, which is now just around the corner as far as going. First off, Hi. when you look at this, uh, the changes on the officiating staffs, because, you know, we're in a two-year two, year, two year cycle right now with the new uh, extension of the CBA for the officials that uh, uh, some of the older officials can Opt out and come out with uh, you know good benefits, even better benefits. Where where do you think this is going right now, as far as how young the officials will be by say the end of 2021? Well, you know the word
0: the word young w- was not one of my favorite words because young does not equate to better officiating. Um, I you you know officiating is a mental game. It's not a physical game. And for everybody that says, oh, you got to get, you got to get guys out there that keep up with the players. That's nonsense. Um, you need guys out there that can see something, process it in your mind and then make the right call. So we have definitely gotten younger in the last uh, couple of years. And, and I think there's a bit of a danger in there. You're going to have one new referee, Lan Clark, um, will take over for Walt Anderson, who went into the office. Um, but I think there's some danger signs here, and it's kind of like the perfect storm. So you, you've got the COVID thing where you have several officials that have opted out, and when they opted out, um, they, can, they can take a payment this year, and then guaranteed, they'll be guaranteed their job when they come back next year. You had another one that just recently retired, so you had four more new guys that just went in this past week. Um, that's that's over and above the other guys, the other new guys that were already in that replaced the guys that retired or were let go. Um, so you're talking about a big number. Now, the problem with the big number to me in 2020 is the lack of a preseason. Um, you, you know, you think about lack of the – you think about the preseason, you think about – players, and yeah, most coaches, they know who they're going to keep, and there might be two or three, may- maybe four fighting for those last spots, and, and that's what you you know, you use preseason for. Well, the same could be said for officiating, although I think even veterans, you know, when it comes to the mental game, need to hone their mental skills, and they haven't had a chance. Um, they didn't have a clinic other than the one that they had on Zoom, which is what everybody's doing now but they haven't seen any live reps. And so I, I think really it's going to be interesting how the first couple of weeks of the season play out when it comes to officiating with all of this new youth, these new people, I feel a hell of a lot better if I had more veterans in preparation for a season um, when you weren't going to have a preseason or an actual clinic. So it's, it's bound to be somewhat interesting.
1: Yeah, and of course, I mean, you are the first to really get on this, is that uh, the pool of officiating grows thinner each year from the standpoint that, and, and we don't know how many high school games there's going to be, but it's hard enough to be able to get enough high school officials to start out uh, because now what you have to do, uh, if there's going to be games, you almost have to spread out a couple officials and have them go three, four nights because you can't get the full amount, and that affects colleges and eventually affects, I think, the NFL.
0: Yeah, and I think though the NFL has done a really a pretty good job with their new developmental program, which they brought in a couple of years ago. So I I do think that the people that they bring in are better prepared than like me when I went in. um, Although I did have the benefit of NFL Europe, but after that went away, then there was no benefit whatsoever. So I think they are better prepared, but. Here's the other dynamic, John, which is interesting, is we're facing the COVID issue here. And a lot of talk about the players. I get that. It should be. Um, and everybody talks about, well, they want to keep the players safe. They want to keep the coaches safe. No, you don't hear the officials included in those statements very often. But these officials are susceptible to catching that uh, the COVID from others. And so there is the danger aspect, and there's the danger aspect of them spreading it themselves. So how how do you what changes do you make from an officiating standpoint or the NFL officiating department? You know to try to mitigate you know the officials getting the the, the flu. So you're going to regionalize now. You know you're not gonna not gonna do like they did before. So you had these crews together from all over the country and. You might, you only work the team once, and if you had to, maybe you'd work them twice. But now what you're going to do is you're just going to regionalize, and, you know, Seattle might see a, a same official five times during the course of the year. Um, and, and I, I think this is another thing when you talk about youth that you're going to have these young people or these new people working with different people. Quite often, you know, may, maybe, six or seven weeks or, or more working with different people. And um, then, then you have the aspect of they're going to get tested on Thursday, and then they'll also be tested at the game site um, on Saturday, I believe it is. And if one of them tests positive, um, and especially if they test pot, the results come back like on Sunday morning, well, what do you do? So they, they've prepared with mechanic study, to work with six officials, to work with five officials, and maybe even to work with four officials um, if necessary. So all of this new stuff is getting thrown into the picture here, um, which which is, which is, I, mean, I don't know how to describe it other than to say that it just makes it interesting to me. Listen, they had to be, these guys to get there have to be good officials, but yet this isn't college this isn't the sec. This isn't the big 10. This isn't the pac 12. This is the NFL where everybody's bigger and faster. And it is a harder game to officiate with a more complicated rule book. So, um, there's just a whole bunch of obstacles that have been thrown out there. But as we know, the league expanded to a degree and moved Walt Anderson in, uh, into the league office and he'll be in charge of evaluation and training. So, uh, and I know that he's been doing that tremendous amount of work already um, on zoom with, with the officials. So uh, although to me, you know, the obstacles are stacked against them to a bit, uh, you know, certainly with all the things that I've talked about, I, I think, I think they'll be okay with time. But I think initially, just like players, players without preseason, I expect to see more false starts, more delay of games, those type of discipline-type penalties. I expect to see those in the first more of those in the first two weeks
1: curiously with the uh big 10 and the pac-12 not having anything this fall and the uh you know cfl opting out of this season is there a way to uh have some of those officials as maybe uh the the practice squad guys that uh, might be called i know it's a different game in canada but now you have a whole bunch of officials that aren't going to be officiating
0: well they took in a guy from canada last year out of the canadian football league and uh and they do have about maybe 35 officials on the developmental list. And, yes, you're right, um, with the Pac-12 and with the Big Ten, you you have guys that either are not working at all or they're working lower levels. I mean, you might be a Pac-12 officials that, that will be working in the Mountain West who I'm pretty sure is still planning on playing. Um, so they'll, they'll they'll probably get some reps but not at the high level, and it will be – Certainly okay to leave a game in, uh, you know, New Mexico State to go to go uh, work an NFL game. They, they'll find it, but the, but the problem the problem is going to arise when that guy at the game site on Saturday evening gets tested and he turns out he's positive. Then trying to get a guy in there is going to be difficult. They're not going with alternate officials, and um, and I understand that. I mean, they want to mitigate the risk as best as they can, so eliminate as much travel as you can, unfortunately at the referee position, heavily stocked on the West coast. So those guys will be taking probably more trips to the East coast, but, um, but they'll do it. Again, I asked the question, what are, what are you going to, what, what are you going to, what are the officials going to wear and uh, you, you know, to protect themselves and others. And uh, I was told they're going to wear face coverings. Um, all of them are going to wear face coverings. Uh, in terms of the whistle, they're going to have their choice. They can, they can have their own whistle inside of a, of a mask that has a pouch, or they can have this electronic whistle that has been developed to where you actually push a button and then the whistle, the whistle sounds. Sounds just like any other, what do you call Fox 40 whistle, which is the company in Canada that developed these whistles and sells them internationally, um, all over the place. So you've got masked officials, and then you have some, you know, with the electronic whistle. Dangers, people say, officials say. I'm worried about if it's electronic one. you have to push the button. I'm worried about just running, and and then accidentally I push it, you know. And, And so you have an inadvertent whistle. And I say, well, who the hell cares? I mean, this is about trying to be safe. And if there's one more inadvertent whistle over the course of your year, so be it. Um, but they'll they'll even look a little different on the field.
1: Curiously, I don't know. The CDC just this week said that, uh, that they're not going to have to worry about <laughs> subjecting the 14-day quarantine if you go into a certain area. But I don't know if some of the uh, East Coast uh, sta- uh, states like New York and some of the others have had it. How if is how are you going to handle or how are they going to handle if there's going to be a 14-day quarantine if you have several officials flying to a game?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's difficult and I haven't gotten into that yet, how they're going to handle that. Um, but, you know, obviously the thing is if you, you know, if you have an official that goes from Los Angeles and he, and he goes to work a game in uh, Minnesota and then at Minnesota he tests positive, then, you know, does he quarantine? Does he get home? Does he have to quarantine in Minnesota? I, I, I mean, it's all very fluid and I, and I have talked to the NFL recently and they admit that it's very fluid the union, the officials union, I think has done a good job of, you know, protecting the officials and giving those that are most concerned. And, you know, I mean, God forbid, but there's guys that are almost as old as I am that are still working on the field of the NFL. And while I like youth to a degree, but, you know, I like the, the veteran judgment. I mean, listen, I'm part of that age group, you know, where you're a little bit, not necessarily susceptible to getting the COVID, but you're more susceptible to getting the serious uh, symptoms of the uh, of the disease. So, you know, there's there's a lot of questions, John, that I think will filter in through the first week of the season to see how it works best.
1: You bring up the idea that you may have crews that may say teams four or five times, and of course you live on the West Coast, I live on the West Coast. How good is the group of officials on the West Coast that might be having to handle all the teams on the West Coast?
0: Well, I mean, I think you're talking here to a person that's biased because I grew up on the West Coast and grew up, Next to the officials that, uh, you know, with the officials from the West Coast. So I, I happen to think that the, the quality is great. Um, I, I think initially they were trying to, you know, say, okay, let's find a group of seven that could cover, you know, the San Francisco, Las Vegas, the two teams in LA and San Diego. Um, you could, you could find guys with these, you could drive them all there, but you can't do that in Seattle. I mean, Seattle, I think there's two officials from the, from the Northwest that could drive to there. So you've got other five that are going to have to fly in. So, ah, listen, ah, they're, they're good. Um, I think the, the, one thing, the one thing that you always did when you matched up crews is you matched you, – you tried to get all crews to be the same when it comes to the level of competency. So you matched a weakness with a strength. Um, and that might be on the line of scrimmage. One side had a strong guy; the other guy had a weaker guy uh, on the sideline. When you had a linesman and the side judge, uh, one of the two is stronger than if you, you, you match them, um, which is makes sense. You'll lose the ability to do that somewhat in here, but uh, you know, hey, listen at, at the. You know, at the end of the day, we hope we're playing. I mean, and and everybody wants to play, and everybody wants to play safely. And the thing is, I think that people are just going to have to recognize, although it's very difficult for them, that this transitional period for the younger officials and even the veterans who haven't had a snap, in some cases since the end of the regular season last year, um, there's going to be some rust. But, you know expectations are 100% that the officials are going to be 100% accurate. They never have, they never will be. Um, it's too hard of a job. It's easy to those that watch it in slow motion replay and wonder how these guys can be so bad. But in real time, it's very difficult and it, and there will be mistakes made certainly again and probably a, a more than the normal uh, at the first part of the season.
1: How happy were you or not happy that the pass interference challenge rule was not renewed after the one year experiment?
0: Well, I'd have been happier if they would have gotten rid of it after the first week of preseason last year. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a mess. I mean, it, it basically, it was a reaction to a missed call, obviously in the Saints Rams game. Um, but it was so poorly put together that it was going to fail immediately. And, and, you know, people say, why, why, why was it, why, how did that affect? Well, it was easiest to why it failed because there was basically two standards of pass interference. There was the standard that was to be used on the field by the officials. And then there was a separate standard to be used in the office in New York with Al Riveron and his crew. So, what you wanted called on the field and what was pass interference on the field was not necessarily pass interference when it went into the office in New York, because it had to rise to the level of something similar to what happened in New Orleans. That's insane. That's insane. And then you put it in the coach's challenge hand, So the coach challenges and, and, and they, they, They didn't call pass interference. He challenges that it should have. Everybody in the world sees that it should have been. And then New York doesn't add the penalty. And so the coach calls to Al Riveron and says, how could you not? He said, that was pass interference. And Al Riveron said, yep, you're right, coach. It was. But it really didn't rise to the level of what we're looking for in replay. What? What? It was doomed. It was doomed. And – and maybe that's the one benefit of all of the issues that have happened here is that they, they didn't have time to come up with a tweak to try to keep it in. And, uh, and the beauty of that is is that now to get it back in, you would have to get 24 of 32 votes. And based on what happened last year, I just don't ever see that happen.
1: What do you see uh, happening as far as the rule changes for this year? There was probably less than we've seen in many years, which may be actually a very good thing. What rule change is going to impact the game?
0: Well, to me, the only one, it's the manipulation that uh, Bill Belichick figured out and then was followed up by Harbaugh and Bull and all that kind of stuff where you could actually use some time um, outside of the five minute mark of the fourth quarter to, to take time off the clock. So if the clock was running, you would take a delay penalty. And if you're ahead, you would take a delay penalty. And then the clock would restart, um, after the penalty was enforced. So you'd get your 40 seconds leading up to the delay of game penalty. And then with the penalty and the administrative stoppage, then you'd get another 25. So Belichick, as he is inclined to do, figured that out. And, um, and used it to his advantage, as did others after Bill. I mean, he's the one. So now you can't do that. So if any time in the fourth quarter or in overtime, if an offensive team false starts with the clock running um, or delay of game, any type of snap of fraction which prohibits the snap, then the clock's not going to start till the next snap. But other than that, The only other change was to take the receiver of a kick, whether it's a kickoff or a punt, but it's most likely going to be a punt and give him defenseless player protection so that he can't be hit in the head or neck area until he has time to defend himself. Now that's a question is what is time to defend himself, but it's much like the defenseless receiver. So he's, He's got to be able to complete the catch and then be able to do something other than just standing there and getting hit. But the only other things that really changed were just making permanent some of the changes that they made last year in terms of instant replay. Now covers all tries. There's no challenges. Um, Instant replay covers uh, all plays that result in a score. Even if a penalty takes the score away, then it's replay that's in charge in that. So those were basically just making some rulings permanent but the bigger issues the onside kick um that did not get addressed uh the the potential of having whatever you want to call it a sky judge which i happen to be a proponent of especially as we get more youth in officiating um you know that that could not be adequately tested because when they really kind of ended it all they the thought was maybe we could do it in replay over 64 games then analyze all the data to see you know how it worked but that's obviously by the wayside now, now that'll come back up um in next year but uh, that's really all you have in rules
1: mike pereira as always you have educated the professor and everybody listening to Schooled with the professor thank you so much and we're looking forward to seeing you and listening to what you say as we get to the broadcast on fox coming up this year
0: john it's a pleasure